Welcome to this True Storytelling podcast. Welcome, Ken. Always good to see you. Um, Morning, my friend. We are here to, yeah, to uh, talk about, actually, it is um, uh, about um, principle four, in a way, in our true storytelling principle, timing. Uh, but, but um, and I also want to say Ken thanks because he's, he's the main host on this true storytelling podcast. So all of us are so grateful for your work, Ken. But um, uh, you want to share a story with us? Uh, yeah, this is... Connect uh, true yeah. storytelling. Yeah, this is... Uh, this is typical of what happens when you start doing uh, true storytelling is it's uh, like a flywheel effect. Once you get that body in motion, the inertia just keeps going. And so this is a story that connects true storytelling and protreptic and um, living in the world and a little spice of Danish philosophy from the great Ole Phil Kirkaby. Uh, so if I, I, I'm just going to start at the beginning, uh, if I can, uh, and I want to share um, this story. Uh, let me know when you can see that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, last week, you and I finished our uh, uh, protreptic coaching home study course, which is an examination of how to live the examined life based on values using the techniques of Aristotle and Plato to surface important values and concepts to study them carefully outside of the normal lived experience. So it works at the conceptual thoughtful level. And then uh, you, you put those values back into practice in the world uh, and then live your life in a, with a newer understanding of values. Um, this is strongly connected to true storytelling. Um, and one of the things that came out of that course, uh, and I'm showing on your coaching manual here, was this right in the middle, uh, how to be in the event of the protracted coaching. And we rely on uh, the teachings from Ole Phil Kirkaby, who talks about the event. Now, He's written many books on this, and I'm a primitive monkey, but my understanding of it, my, uh, my effort to understand it launched me into this story. So I was trying to explain to somebody what we mean by the event in the protreptic, and the best way that I could show them uh, about the event as a living thing that transcends the individual elements that go into an event uh, turns out to be very strongly connected to the components of a true story circle or a true storytelling uh, circumstance. That when you start bringing together the pieces and parts of different stories and possibilities in the future, you start mixing them according to step four in, with timing. And you start playing with sequence and organizations and you look at the current time, future time, you look at the past. So it gets a very uh, 
uh, strong exercise with the principle four of true storytelling um, when you start examining the event. So I was trying to explain that to one of my uh, teaching partners here in this military college, and I ended up drawing this diagram. So what I wanted him to uh, think about was that as a curriculum developer, as a professor, we, we design lessons according to a curriculum. And that curriculum is informed by our professional practice, the doctrine. So we pick pieces of doctrine and we bring it into the curriculum and we create a lesson plan. And that's one of the variables that enters this classroom event. Uh, we also have a teacher who has a 20 or 30 years of experience with that doctrine and that lesson, and that teacher comes into the event. And there's a certain set of technologies that we can use that are affecting the classroom. It's, uh, it might be iPods for reading or PDF files or multimedia videos, and we might have learning devices in the classroom. So the technology that we use in the conduct of the course actually is a presence. It has a shaping effect on the event. And then the student comes into that event with their experience and their uh, previous exposure to other lessons and the purpose that they are taking the class for. So all four of those variables, we normally think about those as the pieces and parts of a teaching learning event in the classroom. But when you bring those four variables together into a scheduled event that is on a calendar, so there's a certain element of timing, and it's in support of future learning or future examination. So we have multiple streams of time that are, that are uh, present in that moment. When you start mixing those four things together, something magical happens. And that is that this passive calendar event that we called a lesson or a class suddenly takes on a living quality that there is a mixture of these variables and it begins to grow and take on its own form and its own identity. And it creates a memory inside the head of the student, inside of the teacher. It gives feedback to the lesson plan for future, um, uh, for future lessons. Um, it might uh, shape the technology. Say, yeah, if we had this technology, we could do it this way, or we use the technology in a different way. So the event becomes a created artifact that takes on a life of its own and is an equal participant along with each of those other variables. And when the event is over, when there's a, when the timing says that class is done, that event actually lives on in the memories of the teacher and the memory of the student and the feedback to the lesson plan, to the alter, alteration to the technology. And it becomes one event in a series of events that we might call education that has power in the world beyond the, uh, the finite limits of the event. So it turns out that the event is actually an action verb because it is a uh, a set of behaviors uh, interacting with, um, with elements, uh, and it becomes its own artifact. So I was ex explaining that to my 
curriculum designer. And it this really opened a new window into his practice because now he could see the event as a holistic, creative uh, variable in our in our education, but he could also take a look at the different timings of those four elements, like technology uh, doubles in power every eighteen months. We get a new set of students every year, so they change quite frequently. Um, the curriculum is updated every two years. The teachers don't change very much because we're old fat guys and we're used to our ways. So there is a mixture not only of timing, but also with the rate of change of timing. And all of these things are being molded together in the crucible of this event. So it is an action verb that creates a new artifact. And so this particular diagram actually serves as an artifact, which when I connect that back to true storytelling, that now becomes an element in uh, stage setting, um, the story about how that event occurred in the past or how we're trying to shape it becomes part of the play. So the artifact now becomes an important member of the event. Uh, it, the, below this horizontal line, I, I use this diagram to just simply show that the student is living the next 10 to 20 years of their career forward with the lessons that we taught in that event. So their view of that event in time is very different from that of the teacher. The teacher is coming from a 30 year living practice and is handing off lessons learned and insights in the present. So lessons from the past applied to the present taught and shared in the present, discussed in the present, but for the purpose of living forward in the future. And then that student has a different view of the time stream. They're 35 years old. I'm 65 years old. So there's a different sense of timing associated there. And they're going to be using that lesson and the modifications to their understanding as they live forward. And someday they may be a teacher. And now when we fast forward 20 or 30 years, all of the lived experiences, which were shaped and initiated by the original event, continue to manifest. So each event is a created thing. It is an artifact, but it has its own identity. And it also gives back to all of the other variables that were in that event. The teacher is different because of the event that they were in. And the technology and the curriculum and the students are all changed because of the chemistry and the physics of that event. But when you take those four variables away and they go about the rest of their life, that event remains as an artifact, as a member of a set of artifacts going forward. And in that way, it becomes a true story. So when we think about an event now, if I can now produce an artifact about that story, I can now associate the living experience of the event with the artifact, and then that becomes an anchor point for all future events that are connected through that artifact. So the artifact acts as a binding agent for the stream of conscious living stories that are told by people 
with common interests. And now when we associate all of that back to the true storytelling principles, imagine the power of an organization which can operate uh, from a baseline of shared values that we have had protruptic discussions about, that we've illuminated what we mean by those different values and principles and talked about them in a protruptic way that creates a collective consciousness, a collective commitment, that actually becomes an event. That protruptic session is an event that now starts shaping and is connected uh, to all of these other stories and events. And what you end up creating is a living mosaic of true stories told in sequence that propagate values throughout the world in various time streams. And so uh, I wanted to share that idea with you because we only talked about that last week in our discussion about the events and how it connects to the protreptic. But what I have just seen in the last week is that this particular artifact, this particular narration of what we mean by the event is now connected to my military classroom. I've had this discussion already with my students as we start shaping the, the rest of the course and what they can do to help co-create their learning experience. I've used this with curriculum designers who are engaged in developing curriculum for the long haul. I've used this with newer faculty members who are trying to understand the opportunities they have as a faculty member to participate and to orchestrate an event without being overly controlling. Uh, I've used it in my professional consulting practice with people who are trading in the currency markets and commodities and who have, who instead of creating a class or doing a trading event every time they take a position um, in, a, in an equity or a commodity or a currency, and there are a lot of other variables going on. So it turns out that there is something fundamental about the event as an entity, as an artifact, as a living process, uh, as a player on the stage, uh, surrounded by true storytelling principles, informed by the values of the protreptic. And I am actually no longer surprised at how connective uh, these ideas are to so many different dimensions of the lived experiences. I am. Uh, so I, I just wanted to share that story with you to reinforce the ideas of timing, uh, artifacts, um, the event, the connection between protreptic and true storytelling, the sense of timing that is in uh, one of the important steps in true storytelling. So I wanted to get that all out of my head and onto your lap uh, to see what you think about all that and to maybe have a short discussion for clarification. Over. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Ken. Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, thank you for this very interesting explanation. Um, what I think about is that um, uh, it's it's also a very essential part of true storytelling is is actually how to be in the event 
without getting you know burned out because true storytelling is about how can you how can you be in uh, complexity and how can you make decisions in very complex world situation so i think that uh, uh, how you describe it that it's a way of being and that's also the process behind principle for being it's it's yeah. about being in the event and it's about i think being open for all the yeah. different things which are a part of the event so i think this where uh, this uh, uh, awareness of the event as you are showing us here is uh, important and of course it's 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 also about how to be in space and time and place and all that so so i think it's very very important and actually for me this this approach to it can be in consulting it can be in coaching uh, um, i think it's so important to have this awareness of that I am a part, we are a part of a bigger, I don't know, room or yeah. story somehow. So, so uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a strong element of performance art in the name True Storytelling. So the name is well chosen. It's not just True Story as something that is bounded and that you can put mm. on a shelf. It's an action verb, storytelling, the process of, the living mm. experience of. And so what this reminds us is that, um, that I think Shakespeare may have said, the play is the thing. You know, you can, you can plan and rehearse all you want. You know, I, it's almost funny to think of the job uh, event planner, you know, if you ask them, they would probably say to a person, no event that they ever planned went according perfectly to the plan. Or if it did, it was very sterile. But that there's always something magic when, when people and plot and elements and the weather and the ecosystem all come together and they start intermixing, that there is a live present moment happening. The event is a verb. To event is to live the experience in that moment. So I, I really, um, I, I think that is probably neglected in our maybe um, Western rational way of knowing, the Western ways of knowing as we talk about in true storytelling, where we, we might think that we can live inside our heads, we can organize, we can compartmentalize, we can sequence, and then that's what living is. When in fact, when you bring that plan into contact with everybody else's plan, then the magic occurs. So uh, what I really found helpful in the true storytelling uh, process was the emphasis that we place on the telling and in the being and in the listening um, being open to what is being said, not jumping to conclusions and trying to fix things, but letting the, letting the individual stories breathe 
and live and be their own thing before we hurry up and try to solve everything. So there is a sense of creating the space and the room and the time to acknowledge those things that are present in order to begin thinking about what else might be done. So there is a certain uh, rhythm and time and space that's needed to do this properly. It is very different than the hurry up and move through the agenda, get a decision and go to the next meeting style of, I, I think of that as tactical decision-making where you're saying all the words, but you're not living the experience. Uh, like, hey, I'm going to go around the table and everybody give me your comments. Mm. And I've already decided what I'm going to do. I'm just going through the motions of, okay, you had a chance to speak, you had a chance to speak, but I'm not listening. So one of the practical effects of true storytelling that I've seen, and maybe you might want to talk about that from your consulting experience, is that you have to budget time to allow for the telling and the remixing of stories for the investigation, for trying things on without pressure. You have to give those things time and space. Uh, you know, babies don't learn to walk overnight. You have to give them a natural time to develop and to, and to mature into season. Um, so that is a sense of time that true storytelling addresses, I think. So um, what, what do you think about that? <clears throat> when it comes to this, this about time and else as an consulting consultant for 20 years, uh, mm. um, I think that we are often very good at planning, you know, but perhaps not so good at as uh, be patient, being out there, listen. So, so in that sense, um, I'm not sure I'm asking yeah. or answering the right, right question, yeah. but, but uh, um, I think that a part of this event is also an awareness of your body. You know, it's actually mm. about being out there and not only listen with your, your, your brain but also with your heart and your body somehow. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's, that's uh, very important too. And, and uh, as a part of our true storytelling, you have run the, the storytelling circles for yeah. Um, yeah. one year or more. And that's, that's also an, an example of an event very practical could you say a few sure. words about yeah about so that? yeah this is um this is one of the interesting phenomenons to me about the true storytelling uh, you could you can think of each session as a discrete um contained separate event it started here these many people came in these many stories were told and then we close the event, and now that's a nice, neat little package. But as I alluded to earlier, that thing has a memory. It contributes 
to the conversation. That actually is now an actor in all the future scenes. So you do an event, you do an event, you do a true storytelling circle, another story circle. Now suddenly a sense of habit and familiarity, a feeling, a style, themes, um, a culture begins to develop around the event. And so now each next event is one more in a string, in a legacy, in a series, a chapter in a book. And so each event now has outward reaching connections and takes on its own identity and its own sense of power and authority and leverage. Um, and, and I think that was the, the phenomenon of both being and doing, but also simply existing, that you get some things that are changing, the time, the, the day, the where it is on the calendar, who's the members, what stories are being told. So there are some elements of change, but then there's an undercurrent of things that don't change, some structure and uh, you know, plot ideas. Uh, so there is a mix, like in the, the Taoists would say, you know, the changing and the unchanging. Um, there's a very interesting nouns and verbs associated with, um, with these events. So I was not expecting that to be the case when I started doing the true story circles. I looked at each one as a certain structured event with an agenda to follow, and I was not really prepared for how quickly the culture and the values and principles of true storytelling began to impact all the people who were there and then how that affected me in everything else that I did. That once you get in the habit of listening and telling the truth and being trying to be thoughtful and non-judgmental, it begins to change who you are in all of the other transactions in your life. Um, that was an unexpected consequence. In this case, the tool is true storytelling. And as you learn to use the tool, the tool begins to shape you with a uh, reciprocal relationship. So the tool maker is shaped by the tool that he's using. So that was a, a pleasant uh, surprise. And I begin to understand what Boji and you mean by the transformative power of true storytelling to change the world, one story at a time. Uh, that's been my experience in, you know, in over a year of doing these weekly true storytelling circles for my military students, for my business clients, for my soccer team, and for a loose collection of storytellers that uh, I've met through, um, uh, through the Zoom meetings in this era of COVID. So that's been my experience. Thank you so much, Ken. Um, we could we could go on as always, but we need to we need yeah. to stop now. It has been a pleasure to to having this conversation with you, and uh, thank you for sharing this concept of the. Yeah event that that people actually can use out there in their teaching yeah. in their consulting in yeah. their 
leadership. So thank you so much. Happy to happy to help. I always enjoy talking with you. You um, you you take me to places that I hadn't thought of or imagined, and uh, that's always a treat. Uh, if there's enough time, we might try to sneak that tool into the chapter in the True Storytelling Handbook, which uh, should be coming out here one of these days soon. Uh, so always good to see you, my friend, and uh, I'll see you on our next session.